0: The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. Darkimaginings.com
1: For the deepest, darkest cruise, to the backwoods swamp where the bottom, from the inside of your casket, to the fears are deep inside your subconscious, it's time for be scared <laughs>
2: of Donnie Hoover from New Ohio Wrestling and the WrestleHore Podcast, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. What's
3: up, everybody? It's your pal, the Wild-Eyed Headbanger, Matt Max Morrison, from Eclipse Wrestling and the Social Disturbancing Podcast, and you
4: are listening to The Big Scary Show.
1: Hello Creeps, it's me, John Kassir, the voice of the Crip Keeper, <laughs> yeah. and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs>
3: hey, this is Steve Wilson, the man behind the monster Congo Kong, former impact wrestling talent, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein from Doyle, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, I'm Michael Graves from all sorts of bands that you probably don't know, but one that you might know, including the Misfit Joys, and to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show
1: with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 230 ...of the Big Scary Show. And we've got quite the card for you tonight. In the opening bouts, you've got... ...Drew Badger versus Deadline News. Storm rants on in a haunt minute. Meat Hook Jim takes on Morocco... ...in Between the Corpses. And the haunt instrumentalist Jerry Vane... ...spins the spooky tunes. And... In the main event on our Round Table of Terror, it is going to be a six-way tag team match inside a steel cage. Introducing first, team number one, from Frederick, Maryland, Mad Max Morrison, his tag team partner from Fort Wayne, Indiana, Congo Kong, and their tag team partner from Columbus, Ohio, Shank Dorsey, they are taking on the team of, out of Cincinnati, Meat Hook Jim, from Charlotte, North Carolina, Drew Badger, and from Providence, Rhode Island, Storm, your virtual referee is Jerry Vane, ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble,
1: Graves and Gotham Road, Seasons of the Witch on The Big Scary Show.
6: world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free. And see for yourself the difference Fright Fine will make in your haunt listing.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Drew Badger, and this is Deadline News for episode 230. And we're going to start off with an update from Days of the Dead coming to Atlanta. It is with great pleasure that we announce the addition of actress Suzanne Snyder to the guest roster for Days of the Dead Atlanta, happening February 26th through the 28th at the Sheraton, Atlanta. Suzanne Snyder played Debbie Stone in the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and Beth McMillan in the Silver Spoons episodes Daddy Rick and Baby Blues. She also had roles on Seinfeld, and played Deb in the 1985 movie Weird Science. She appeared briefly as Lisa in the 1986 movie Night of the Creeps and played Brenda in the 1988 zombie horror comedy Return of the Living Dead Part 2. For tickets and more information about Days of the Dead, visit daysofthedead.com. We have this update from the Mad Monster Party coming to Concord, North Carolina. The sleepaway camp photo op at Mad Monster Party 2021 Felissa Rose will shock you as Angela once more in the Mad Monster Party exclusive, 18 and up only please, Sleepaway Camp surprise ending photo op. Hmm. Spoilers if you've not seen Sleepaway Camp, and also go see Sleepaway Camp. You must be at least 18 years old or accompanied by an adult for this photo op. Felissa and Tom Devlin, the talent presenting this, will meet fans at Mad Monster Party all three days, February 19th through the 21st, but Felissa will appear as Angela on Saturday only. Photo ops are on sale now. For tickets, hotel, and more information, visit madmonsterparty.com. We have a little gaming news regarding The Shore. This comes to us via iHorror.com. H.P. Lovecraft has been as ubiquitous as the Kardashians of late. Films, video games, and books have all been paying major homage to Lovecraft's body of work. From Richard Stanley's The Color Out of Space to HBO's Lovecraft Country, the well runneth over for fans of comic horror. The latest game from Ares Dragonis, titled The Shore, looks to give us a heaping wealth of pure Lovecraftian worlds to explore. The synopsis of The Shore goes like this. The Shore is a game that focuses on the mystery of the unknown on a forbidden island with horror elements. The whole story is based on mythology that goes deep through Lovecraft's creations and beyond. Experience the world through immersive atmospheric gameplay. Encounter the most nightmarish Lovecraftian entities. Save your daughter's life while being haunted. Try to survive and uncover the secrets behind the mystery of your own sanity. The entire thing sounds really awesome. The past couple of years have seen a couple of direct releases, namely both The Sinking City and The Call of Cthulhu, were interesting explorations in their own rights. Coming February 19th on PC, still no word on console release, but we really hope the like-minded folks at Ares Dragonis are planning a console release. You can see a trailer of the game on YouTube. We have some news on a new Michael Myers action figure. ...from Trick-or-Treat Studios. This comes to us via HorrorGeekLife.com. New from Trick-or-Treat Studios is a Michael Myers blood-splattered variant action figure... The Halloween 1978 Michael Myers Blood variant figure is a collectible action figure that comes straight from the folks at Trick or Treat Studios. They've dedicated to making high quality collectibles inspired by one of the greatest horror movies of all time, and they've taken extreme care to craft an action figure worthy of horror's most infamous victim. The figure has 30 points of articulation to allow for a near limitless amount of different movie inspired poses. The figure stands 12 inches tall and features shockingly intricate detailing from the top to the bottom. The coveralls have movie-quality looks and even have a working zipper. He comes with interchangeable hands and a knife accessory. This unique Chase variant has plenty of bloody detailing, which is enough to sate any fan's desire for horror movie carnage. The figure can be found on fun.com for $139.99. We have this news from the Spooky Bottom Haunted Trail in Seagrove, North Carolina. We are happy to break the news today as we've been waiting for weeks now. Spooky Bottom Haunted Trail is now expanding and will feature a full airsoft battleground with year-round operations right here in Randolph County. It will feature terrain like no other course, bunkers, towns, and plenty of cover for the ultimate airsoft outdoor experience. Unique gameplay with a variety of awesome game modes and some with our own spooky bottom twist. Stay tuned for when we open this up to the public, which should be very soon. We will create an airsoft group attached to our main Spooky Bottom page that you can join for updates. Hope to see you soon. Get more information and keep up with this at SpookyBottom.com. And finally we have this from the Chamber of Haunters. We may still be in the midst of a terrible pandemic, but the Chamber of Haunters is still growing and having success and we want you to be part of that exciting news is coming if you would like to be part of a growing haunt family within the haunted attraction industry and have your voice heard and have a platform to be heard please consider joining the chamber of haunters today to join visit chamberofhaunters.com slash chamber membership we'll be waiting for you To save some $15 off your membership fee, use promo code You. We look forward to meeting you soon. Remember folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of The Big Scary Show's Deadline News. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, a minute with America's fearless shock producer, packager of frenzy of blood, as he lays it on the line.
5: Why your brutally frank package of films consisting of... I remember Mama and Blood-Spattered Bride. Ah, let's not get each other. You see it in the headlines every day. I finally had guts enough to put it on film. Why were these two motion pictures put together? To act as a rude awakening, an eye-opener, sir. After all, people have a right to see and judge for themselves. Ah, come on. I've seen these films, and frankly, I think they're too violent, too raw, too brutal for the average person. Haven't you even taken any precautions? No one under 17 will be admitted unless they're properly accompanied by a parent or adult guardian. We'll be strictly enforcing the R rating and be passing out a little device to everyone attending our showings.
0: Will you enlighten us in regard to that device? No, not on the radio. I dismember mama and blood-spattered bride, a frenzy of blood that'll take you through the ringer and doesn't care where the axe falls. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let dark imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Since 2007, professional and home haunters alike have trusted our award-winning and dedicated skeleton crew to make their
1: nightmares
0: come true. Whether you need graphic design services, logos, websites,
2: spooky visuals, or creepy changing portraits,
0: we can help your business look its scary best. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead
1: of your competition. (laughs) Broadcasting to you from the darkest reaches of the earth, this is a hot Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm.
6: Alright, so one of the big stories in the news this week is the Gorilla Glue Girl. And, you know, that's, again, the catchy name that's caught on and... and you know, it's sort of gone viral and everything. And so, what it comes down to is this woman ran out of her adhesive hairspray that she'd used to try and tack down her hair and went for the next thing she had, which apparently was a can of Gorilla Glue. Now, to us haunters, this is unimaginable because being haunters and having any type of you know experience with gorilla glue you know it's it's a stuff that doesn't melt foam but it does change things at a freaking molecular level we know that it is probably the strongest commercial glue out there That's not like construction grade and even beats some of those you know when we go and gorilla glue a prop or a scene or something we're not messing around it's 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 there to to not move and because we've seen the results that stuff will Put together anything. It it literally will create a new bond. It's 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 amazing. So, you know, a lot of the story's been blown out of proportion and gone nuts and stuff with it. And and they really ran with it with saying, oh, she's thinking of suing. And that was more, you know, blown out, it seems, when you actually, you know, see videos of her and really as things go. And, again, it gets frustrated. You know, she had a really bad choice and had to cut off a, a long ponytail. And she finally got relief from it by you know a uh, generous la surgeon plastic surgeon who did a procedure and was actually able to remove it um you know using some industrial strength um, adhesive remover and you know tax tactics and stuff used by you know plastic surgeons so she's able to actually you know get her hair unstuck and you know be able to have, you know, something going on and not the hard helmet that the Gorilla Glue had created but yeah, it just goes to show, you know we've all had the crazy ideas to fix things with stuff we've done with the honors and stuff and have had ideas even with spray foam on uh you know try and fix household things and stuff it shouldn't but we second guess it because we know the results and stuff but of course the story keeps going nuts and things because now it's out there with the headline of a gorilla glue challenge which if you really look at stuff doesn't exist uh yeah a guy glued a solo cup to his face because he thought that the rules of gorilla glue didn't apply to him and he could just lick it off and it wasn't that bad, so he did it itself. But he challenged himself and made this. So the news, of course, puts out a grill Glue challenge. And because people only read headlines, you know, it's out there. So the moral of the story and everything to go with it is we've had experience with both the media and Gorilla Glue with being haunters and we know Gorilla Glue will molecularly change things to stick to other things so be very careful what you use it on and how much and where and you know as a last resort and the media likes to get things wrong so you know don't think that there's some sort of weird challenge out there because it just sounds like a nice headline and you know Whenever they come to our haunts, that's pretty much the only way they describe us is blah blah blah. So and so, it gone wrong. You know, they they barely listen to us when we explain what a haunt is and everything. So take everything with a grain of salt and use that haunting experience because it'll save you from using Gorilla Glue the wrong way and believing every headline that's out there. So until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune
1: in next episode for another Haunt Minute, and in the meantime. Share your opinions on the Big Scary Show Facebook page and on Twitter at Big Scary Storm.
0: Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at BigScaryShow.com. And ladies and gentlemen, let's see if you've been listening to the show carefully because it's time for the February gruesome giveaway sponsored by our very good friends at ScreamlineStudios.com. Now, we had a winner in January. Let's keep it up and have a winner in February, and here's all you have to do. I'm going to ask you a question. The answer's in the show. Just give us your name, your number, and the answer to the question, and email it to us, contest at bigscaryshow.com before midnight on February 22nd. It's just that simple, folks. We will pick a random entrant, and you could be a winner of a great prize from Screamline Studios. Now, without further ado, the question for the February gruesome giveaway is... During the round Table of Terror, Meat Hook Jim and Donnie Hoover talked about a class they taught at HauntCon, comparing wrestling moves... And haunters. There were five parts to that class. Can you name three of them? If you think you know the answer to that, send us those answers along with your name and your phone number so we can contact you to contest at bigscaryshow.com before midnight on February 22nd and you may be randomly selected. We want to thank the folks at screenlinestudios.com for providing us with fantastic prizes all year round remember folks previous winners and family members of the big scary show are not eligible to win good luck everybody and keep listening
5: are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction haunt pay has the answer We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Round Table of Terror here on The Big Scary Show, episode 230. My goodness, we are just packing them in as we count down towards our ninth anniversary. And let me throw a scenario at you, folks. You're sitting there or you're just standing there and all of a sudden the lights go down low and it gets black and the fog starts rolling in and that weird, eerie music starts playing. And all of a sudden you see a giant shambling figure, hulking of a figure kind of moving towards you perhaps with a weapon in their hand. Are you in a haunted house or are you at a wrestling match? Could be either one, folks, because as you know, a lot of fans of haunted houses are indeed fans of pro wrestling. And if you go to horror cons around the country these days, well, back when we had conventions like that, there would always seem to be a couple of professional wrestlers, either national or some of the local guys, signing autographs and things like that. Wrestling is big. And Haunted House fans love pro wrestling for the most part. So we thought we'd bring in a few people that know a little bit about professional wrestling and the Haunted House industry. For those that don't know, our own Meat Hook Jim has a little side hustle going on with uh, a friend of his that is a podcast dedicated to horror and wrestling, ironically called
5: Wrestle Horror. So Meat Hook Jim, how are you, sir? I am doing great. It's a, It's a cold Monday, but the room's warm, and uh, I'm excited to get on to this conversation.
0: Excellent. And speaking of that conversation, I am going to yield the microphone to you to introduce our very special guests for this show.
5: Well, thank you, Drew. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing first from Columbus, Ohio, also known as Shank Dorsey, he is my co host on the Wrestle Horror podcast, Donnie Hoover.
2: Hey, what's happening? Formerly known as Shank Dorsey. That guy's tucked away somewhere and don't even think I could get in the gear if I wanted to.
5: (laughs) But that's not it. We've got more. From Frederick, Maryland, we've got Mad Max Morrison.
4: What's going on, everybody? Thanks for having me here.
5: Welcome to the show. And rounding it out, from Fort Wayne, Indiana, he is the advocate for Congo Kong, I am talking about, of course, Steve Wilson. Steve, how are you?
3: Can't complain, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And welcome to the show again, guys. We're going to talk God. wrestling and horror.
0: Yes, so, we are. But first, of course, ass. we want to. We also want to first introduce our other co-hosts, yes. including. Up in Rhode Island, which right, is right next to Connecticut, which happens to be the current home of the WWE, we have Storm.
6: So you just eat whatever little intro I had right there. Yes, greetings <laughs> from the land in between the WWE headquarters and the Kowloon restaurant, two places all wrestlers know and want to go to. <laughs>
0: The instrumentalist Jerry Vane, normally of Columbus, Ohio, is on assignment tonight, so he has the night off. We will certainly bring him back again. But my name is Drew Badger, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, home of Jim Crockett Productions, where I used to grow up in Raleigh in the shadow of Dorton Arena every Tuesday night, 8.05 bell time for Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, watching all the greats back in the 70s, because I'm just freaking old. But not as old as Jim, but we want to talk wrestling today. And we want to kind of talk about the relationship between wrestling and Halloween. So let me throw the first question out to Donnie and I will follow up with our other guests. Donnie, you are obviously a big fan of wrestling and a big fan of Halloween and horror. How did you get started in both?
2: Uh, Wrestling. I started back in 1997, Uh, started training here in Columbus, Ohio and went for about six years. And then I had to step away for a little while, Uh, but eventually I came back to it and uh, I was fatter and older at that point. So I opted to step out of the ring and go backstage. And we started our own uh, wrestling promotion called new Ohio wrestling. And uh, we work with the Ohio state fair. We work at the Arnold sports festival and all around town, stuff like that. So we're having a lot of fun with that. Uh, Haunt wise. Um, I'd always been a fan of horror films. My first uh, taste of horror was back in 1986. I watched One Dark Night. And, and even though it was, if I watch it now, it's super cheesy. But back then, it was like everything. And, and I fell in love with horror at that point. Uh, I got started in haunted houses about 11 years ago. A friend of mine uh, had a home haunt, and he needed somebody to do a butcher. I guess the guy that was playing as butcher couldn't make it. So they, he called and asked if I would do uh, his butcher for him. And he was like, you know, you know, he's like, you can be a butcher. You just, and I didn't know what, you know, I was like, I'd never done a haunted house. He said, you just stay behind the table. You grunt, growl, you act. He said, if you want a beer, we'll have a beer for you. I was like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> so, so I did that and I liked it. So I, I did that for numerous years for him. And then eventually they shut the home haunt down. So I started doing some part-time work with Kelly Collins and Nina and them out at the Scaratorium here in Columbus, and uh, did some part-time work for them in a pro haunt, which eventually later on down the road led to me starting my own haunted trail. Uh, I did that for two years, and we ended up having to close that down as well because the landowners decided they didn't want to do it anymore. So I've been dabbling in and out of haunting, trying to learn. I, I I call myself the rookie because I'm always trying to learn something new and get better at Halloween and haunting and all that. But, uh, you know, I'm learning as I go. And I got Jim taking me under his wing, so I couldn't ask for much better than that.
5: And when
0: did you guys start up the Wrestle Horror Podcast?
2: Um, about a year and a half ago, I, think, I believe it was. Yep. Oh, July of
5: 20... Yeah, July 2019.
2: Mm-hmm. July of 2019. Yeah, yeah. Right at a and year and we had yeah, actually met uh, at the last Midwest Honors Convention that was here in Columbus before they moved it to Chicago. And, uh, that's where we met and I walked up to the big scary show booth and, uh, cause I was there with my trail people and I, and I had the concept of wanting to do a podcast. And, uh, I was there with Keith Newsom; he's a buddy of mine. And he was like, he was like, well, they're. and then Mike Newsom was like, well, they're they're just the next aisle over, go over there and talk to them and they'll, you know, talk to you about podcasting. So that's kind of what I did. And it just happened that Jim was the only one there. And then uh, long story short, he had a passion for wrestling as I had a passion for haunting. So we just kind of it just kind of clicked from there. Nice.
0: Uh, Steve, same question. How did you get involved in wrestling and when did you start becoming a big Halloween or haunted house fan?
3: Well, honestly, uh, I wouldn't consider myself a huge uh, Halloween or haunted house fan because of wrestling. And I would say that because, uh, I started doing this character back in 2009. And so for 12, 12 years straight, uh, every weekend, uh, for that, that amount of time, pretty much I've been dressing up for Halloween. So, um, (laughs) it's hard to, to, uh, want to celebrate it when you do it so much, but I do like, I do get into, uh, You know some of the cosplay and and uh some of the other things you know the scary things that people come up with um you know and celebrate i of course i love halloween parties and whatnot but uh yeah uh being a big scary monster on on tv and on dvd and in live and in person uh you tend to uh not really view it as as special as some others but you know it's still part of my life so
0: but you're actually almost living the Halloween lifestyle almost year round. As you've got yeah. I assume you have shows every couple of weeks, if not weekly.
3: So. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much weekly and sometimes two and three times a week. And so I'm painting my face and I'm going into what I call Kong mode or monster mode. And uh, you know, going out there and trying to scare the life into some people.
0: Nice. That's that, that would be a dream for a lot of people, minus the steel chairs to the head. But <laughs> Max, how about you? How did you become a wrestling and Halloween fan?
4: Well, I mean, as far as both, I got started on both of those when I was a young kid because it was all like, because I was a comic book kid and I liked video games and things like that. And then once I got about five or six, I had my dad show me wrestling and my sister showed me horror movies and I got tied to both and they pretty much followed me all throughout life. So then uh, growing up, we were we were pretty uh, we were pretty much a Halloween house because every year my mom would actually take me and my family out to like any of the local haunts or we would go up to the theme park and go do the Halloween haunts and we did that for a number of years until I eventually started like uh, trying to look into them myself and uh, then I got into wrestling like later on in my like probably when I hit thirty but before that my love with Halloween. I was playing in bands and we were constantly doing halloween parties and stuff so it's always been like a thing for me I don't know, i've always celebrated halloween because i love the horror i love the characters i love that it's like wrestling in a sense where we have characters to follow and there's just so much love i just love it i, I can't put it the words <laughs> halloween is just so beautiful it sings to my soul <laughs>
0: Uh Storm how about you you you've talked about watching all the pay-per-views and things I assume you've been a wrestling fan for many many years how did you get started in that I don't think oh, we have ever sure. asked you that
6: Uh growing up in the 80s I mean you know wrestling would be one of those big things you know it, it, you'd come home from church and watch glorious um glow the gorgeous ladies of wrestling you know, that, that just made sense. But no, uh, something like my father would enjoy. I love the late night show. You know, they do the Saturday night main event and the wrestlers and stuff that come through and there'd be occasional, you know, independent match or something. We might go see at the community college, but not a huge super fan in college. A bunch of my friends were really big fans and Monday night raw would be a big thing. Uh, You know, check in with the different shows, you know, WCW and and just talking some of that. And, you know, I'd have some friends who would try and get into it, especially in Rhode Rhode Island area and some of the independents. But, um, you know, mainly uh, living it vicariously through friends who are bigger fans than me you know i get my wrestlers mixed up i keep telling them there's like nine ultimate warriors i get confused on which ones are here and there and you know if i don't recognize a wrestler i'll just say it's doink and you know when they ask who's my favorite wrestler i'm like oh the gobbledygooker when it's actually you know big boss man but um it's you know and and then the 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 pay-per-views WrestleMania it's an event it's it's fun it's something neat and then being a uh, Halloween fan doing haunts and stuff the characters are always intriguing and and that's a neat part you see evolution characters and if you ever see a wrestler's character when they first step out to when they be popular there's there's this really neat evolution that us as haunters relate to where we develop our character we 'll change our costume and depending on what the entertainment need is if we 're the baby face if we 're the heel you know we we see those aspects in haunts too, and you you know group your character around it and and base it so uh, I think that 's where I might lead off asking you guys. Where's the evolution of your career and character or characters uh, brought you over the years? And I don't know if, uh, Steve, you want to take that one first?
3: Sorry, I had you on mute. Um, Say that again, will you?
6: Uh, the evolution of your, your character or characters, you know, through your career, how, how's it involved costume, your, your attitude with the audience going from heel to baby face and what may need, and even, uh, against certain opponents. Um, what has been, you know, some stories or something you'd share about the evolution?
3: Ooh, well in wrestling, uh, especially doing it as long as I have, you kind of have to evolve as a character. um, and uh, you, you know, it's like the Undertaker. The Undertaker never stayed the same over all those years. Like he kind of resorted back to some of the old school uh, kind of ways, but <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, he uh, he uh, he always evolved. He always changed and made things uh, uh, different and better for the fans. And I kind of tried to take that whole uh, that that idea, you know, at least with my face paint. I don't typically paint my face the the same that I did when I first started doing the con character, um, and I also don't wear the same attire that I did. You know, I, I've uh, since being on TV, and Jeb Jarrett came up to me and said uh, that he wanted something uh, more character like. He didn't want me to just look like a wrestler in face paint. You know, I kind of adapted the whole uh, loin flap or loin cloth kind of look, and uh, went from there. And being that I'm a gear maker, you know, I have that option of changing stuff and adding to and taking away whenever
6: as a marketing weasel that's always the best point too because you can you can always say oh look at the evolution of the gear a hey, you, you need your commemorative stuff here yeah new new knee pads there we go and everybody will go with it you see that in the uh the big televised shows now that you know they'll they'll change those characters every time they need to refresh the t-shirt store you know it's a it's amazing but uh you know great point with the undertaker you know through the years he's one of my favorites too and he went from just being this guy paul bearer would you know have come out and no speaking roles and creepy to you know over his career i i really enjoyed him as the american badass a little bit more speaking and different role but he was still the undertaker the whole time just right. a slightly different perso- persona which was really neat and then he could jump right back into it the past few years which was uh, really cool uh max what about you uh evolution of your character or characters over the years
4: yeah, so when I started, I was just a typical wrestler. I was just a guy, an out-of-shape guy with a beard who was just getting in business. And I was like, hey, I want to be a rock or metal guy, which ain't too far from the truth. Before I got into wrestling, I was a professional musician for like 16 years, 17 years. Did a bunch of metal bands, and I went and played cover tunes for like eight years, made a paycheck on it. So I was like, hey, I've, I've got the entertainment stuff down. You know, i spent a lot of time being in front of people, being under lights, and just kind of having to turn on a persona just so you can connect with these people. We'll try to show them a good time. So uh, I was trying to figure out how I can try to incorporate what I gained through that journey into this professional wrestling journey, because this was like in cover bands, you're kind of an average Joe playing instruments, but here it's over the top. You got to be larger in life. And I know I've always had, I've always been told I got a personality. I'm just going to say a personality on me. So I was like, well, <laughs> how because my personality got me in a lot of trouble in music and i got yeah i, I got kicked out of a lot of stuff and people just didn't like me because i was just too over the top so i had to find a way to incorporate that into the pro wrestling because i found like that was like the avenue to finally let that person shine so it started off where I was just an average wrestler in just whatever gear I could find in a heavy metal t-shirt. And then as I started to find myself and kind of hone my craft a little better and got my physique better, I was like, okay, maybe I could rock with some trunks. We go ahead and try that. That's what wrestlers do, right? So through that whole evolution, I was in a tag team where we both, we got put together because we were both a couple metal guys. We like to drink beers and um, we like to kick ass. And that's the way we presented ourselves, And that's what we did. And I was able to kind of develop a personality through there where it's just my character is all about just excessive facials, like uh, facial movements and just expression. My face is very expressive. So I try to sell on that. Uh, Tracy Smothers in Carolina, when God rest his soul, when uh, I did a camp with him and we were, that was when I first started. And he was looking at me when I was selling in a match. And he told me, he's like, kid, you got a great face on you. are going to make money with that thing. So I, I took that and decided, all right, that's where I need to go with this. Because I may not be a great wrestler. Because, hell, I'm not a great wrestler now. But I'm a hell of a character. So I figured I'd use that and um, develop a char- my character based on how I can express. So over time, I began realizing my that I can include my love for horror into the heavy metal thing, since that was where I was going anyway. And that's always been me and my personality. And once I finally started getting into acting and I got into uh, being in horror movies, I was able to express that side of myself into my character because now it's, a lot of it is that Max is so, uh excessive. He's like Animal from the Muppets, but now he's been watching way too many horror movies and like living them out. And that's what scares the piss out of people when it gets in the ring was like, oh crap, what do he watch this week? He's gonna likely do he's gonna like skin me or something. So I've been taking little bits of where I uh I've been taking bits I watch from movies, from horror movies, and actually putting those in my wrestling matches. And I think that's where my and that's where the evolution really has been coming into play the last year or two is I've been changing the way I think about how I put my matches together and how I present my character. And I, I find all these situations and these character nuances through horror movies and just the the dynamics and just the moods. And I've been trying to apply those to the stories I'm telling in the ring. And it's been pretty exciting, uh, just for myself. I, and I, it, it seems like people are really digging it.
6: Awesome. Yeah. You need to binge the critters, uh, horror movies and then we'll have to see what kind of uh, match comes up after that there we go <laughs> for our listeners at home he's got a little uh, critter right there oh man that's 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 gotta be the best when you pull some inspiration from that or some weird leather clothing from the guys who would chase him down johnny what about you uh some evolution of uh, your character or characters and how that's evolved with um when you do haunting
2: uh, yeah, actually my, when I started, like I mentioned before, I just started as a butcher and basically I just, whatever costumes, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever costumes he had in the costume shed, that's what I threw on. And, uh, but as of now, I'd actually taken my, uh, my wrestling character and I wrote, I wrote a backstory for him to where he's transformed into a haunt character. So I'm, I'm starting to evolve him. And uh, right now I'm, he's basically just in like jeans and flannel shirt. But and then he had like a skin mask. Well, now he's got a. I had a rat mask made by Tony Rosen, which is the guy who created the Annabelle doll, and he made my my mask I wear now, and it's basically a mask of rat skins with rat tails hanging off the back. And because uh, that's because Shank, you know, went to the sewers to escape, and he had to live off the rats and the mice in the sewers. That's where the mask came from. So I've evolved that part, and then I'm I'm also going to eventually start evolving the his old outfit. I'm going to have it modified so I can actually fit into it again. <laughs> and then I'm going to, uh, I'm going to like uh, distress it and, you know, to where it fits the backstory and all that. So, um, so yeah, it has evolved. It's, it's a totally different character, but he still, he still has the butcher mindset. Um, but yeah, so I went from just the butcher you can find whatever's available to, you know, the actual previously known as Shank Dorsey, you know, evolving into this uh, monster and killer and all that kind of thing.
6: Awesome. Awesome. And of course, by modified, you mean take out the, you know, sleeves so that the guns will fit in them. You know,
2: oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't have sleeves to begin with. <laughs> I didn't have guns either, but that's yeah. beside the point.
6: <laughs> um, Badger, Jim, what about you guys on, on the other thing? Have you, you know, taken any aspects of wrestling characters or baby face and, you know, uh, um, you know, being the heel to your characters when you've do, done Haunting?
0: I hate to admit that, but yes, I have. When um, um, when I went to the first MHC in 2008 for myself and went to the costume ball, I had a long duster. I had a large, wide-brimmed hat, and it was brown as opposed to black, but it was not unlike Undertaker-esque at that point. And normally when I was in haunted houses, you know, working at Scarrowinds or other places, it was just, okay, what do you need me to do tonight? So here, you know, put on this costume, put on this mask, go, go do what you gotta do. But I always kept in the back of my mind this this character that I had, this, this lonely drifter kind of dude with the the long duster and the hat. And I started realizing that it was almost like like Hawk Bradshaw, like The Undertaker, like, you know, just about every lonesome cowboy wrestler out there, because I was, you know, I was a big fan of that stuff back in the day and still am to a point. And I, I frankly also went into the music thing and I kind of designed it, kind of a cross between Undertaker and Carl McCoy from the goth metal band Fields, the Nephilim. And, you know, you put in the contacts, you wear the long duster and, at MHC 2008, I had done makeup around my neck to make it look like I had been hung. So I had, you know, flesh and bruised up and everything. And and a lot of people liked it. I thought it was cool and still had the long hair and and still do. But um, uh, it was kind of the evolution of that character. And I still use that character. And the, I haven't used it in a couple of years because I haven't been acting at haunts. But the haunt that my daughters worked at, you know, 2017, 2018... I would bring that character out and I would be kind of that standing there in the dark, just outside the light. And you could kind of see me there and you'd kind of do that statuesque mannequin kind of haunting character. And then the, the quick burst like that. And they would just like, you know, scatter. But a lot of people would be like, yo, dude, it's Undertaker. Whoa, what's up, man? You know, that kind of stuff. You know, you know that's that's people that buy tickets to haunts. But uh yeah, I did kind of evolve that character, kind of based off that one. Now you know my other characters. You know, Princess Trainwreck. Don't ask where that came from. But you know my my other character that I do as as well. You know, it's it that's that's really really the evolution of it. And uh, if you guys remember MHC 2010, and I just saw one of those in my Facebook feed, I was a luchador in 2010
1: the whitest
0: luchador ever oh, yeah i was i was a little pasty then but i did have scars across me and and everything and i didn't carry a steel chair with me but i had a bitchin ass cape so you know
2: there you go that's all you need there you go
0: that's all <laughs> you need man <laughs> some of
6: those ballroom chairs fold uh quicker than steel chairs anyway
0: <laughs> that's true and they have padding which is which is a lot nicer right jim what about
6: you some evolution of your characters in the wrestling influence
5: uh, definitely uh, the dean, uh, my primary character. Uh, he started out completely different. Uh, he was the, the dean or the principal at the Dent Schoolhouse. Uh, I actually wore you know, a suit with a tie. Sometimes I would wear an overcoat. Uh, but as things evolved at, uh, as, at Dent and where I worked in Dent, um, the character evolved in the next year. Um, The evolution of it took a more of a military turn. So what I did was after completely revamping the the costume from head to toe, there were there were nuances of like Sergeant Slaughter in there because, you know, he was in your face, barking orders, commanding things across the the haunt. So, you know, that was the evolution um, in a nutshell of the dean. Um, and like I said, I drew inspiration from uh, any of the military characters you would see in pro wrestling, Uh, obviously Sergeant Slaughter's at the top of the list. Um, but then there was, you know, uh, the Iron Sheik at one point in time, um, and, uh, other wrestlers. So it was just, it just kind of gelled together and made that larger than life character that you need, not only in haunting, but in pro wrestling.
0: I do want to remind everybody, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. We are talking pro-wrestling tonight with our very special guests, Donnie Hoover, Mad Max Morrison, and Steve Wilson, the handler of Congo Kong, along with most of our regular hosts. We're going to take a very short break, and we will be right back after this bell.
2: In
3: 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several
5: guards. Drivers,
3: where are we? Jerry Vane takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from instrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download
5: Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com,
0: Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back holding a pier six slobber knocker right now with pro wrestlers and haunted attractions and how they're tied inexplicably together with our very special guest, Steve Wilson, the handler of Congo Kong, Mad Max, Morrison, Donnie Hoover. Meat Hook Jim, Storm and myself, Jerry Vane has the night off. And some of the things that were talked about before the break, when we were talking about the evolution of characters and things, a lot of words came out there that made a lot of sense for people who work in haunted houses, including things like larger-than-life persona, facial expressions, a backstory, how many people that work in haunted houses don't have a backstory or they just put a mask on and they just jump out and go ah, and stuff like that, as opposed to somebody who goes into that over the top character, that absolutely larger than life type character and has a backstory because as a haunted house actor, I've been asked about 50,000 times, what are you supposed to be? And You can actually tell them, well, you know, I'm the spirit of the person who lived in this house, who was brutally ax murdered in 1895 by a vengeful husband or something like that. And you actually have that character and that translates very well into the world of pro wrestling. I assume a lot of people go to wrestling schools and they learn all the moves and they learn how to fall and they learn how to hit and they learn how to kick and they learn how to take a punch. But how much of wrestling school is taught character development? You know, is that something you have to learn on your own, speaking to the guests here? Or is that something maybe somebody at the school says, you know, you'd be a damn fine cowboy wrestler. Or you look like somebody that would be a great, you know, silent but deadly, just gargantuan hulk of a person that just beats up people. Or you would be a great asylum inmate type character do they teach that when you when you're training or anything like that or is that something that you need to go to and when you go to a promotion and say hey i'm i'm an asylum patient i do really well with that kind of stuff let's uh donnie how about you did you ever have you know character development as part of your training
2: yeah, for me, it was, uh, I was pretty much my, one of the guys that kind of took me under his wing as I was training, kind of like my mentor and all that. He kind of came up with my character for me and uh, came up with the idea of an ex con from, was we have an Orient Correctional Institution here near Columbus. So he was like, you know, you can do an ex con from Orient Correctional Institute because I, I was more comfortable being a heel than I was a, a face anyway. You know, I, don't, I didn't like the, kissing the babies and hugging all the women and high-fiving everybody. I wasn't like my thing. I would like pissing people off. It was just more fun for me for some reason. But uh, so, yeah, they just kind of, I, I was basically kind of uh, suggested to give that character a try. So we just developed it and uh, worked on it, came up with the name, came up with the backstory and then uh, came up with some, like some mannerisms and catchphrases that I was going to try out and use. And we just kind of went from there. If something worked, we stuck with it. If something didn't, we, you know, we, we trashed it.
0: Excellent. I know that works in, in haunts as well as in the ring. Uh, Max, how about you? When you were training, were you told, yeah, I'd be, you
4: know, you would be an excellent rock guy, or is that something you had to develop on your own? No, that's something I more or less had to develop on my own. Cause when I went to wrestling school, it was pretty much just teaching me how to wrestle and the why's and why nots. But They had – some people would have ideas for people, and I think it really comes down to the performer or the wrestler themselves, like, to really want to embrace the characters who are given. Like, if they're given a character, it's one thing to uh, be it, pretend to be it, try to do it. But it's like, if you don't believe it, you're not going to be into it. And I think it takes – like each individual to kind of figure that out because they got to kind of figure out if they want to be an actor or not. And that's essentially what it is to a degree. But as far as for my character, it was an extension of myself. And I just, I kind of used it as therapy in a sense to figure more about myself. But I knew from the get that having been experienced being on stages, having to perform for people and understanding how you're supposed to connect with a room there were certain things I needed to know and do, uh, which ultimately helped in acting, but ultimately helped in wrestling, too. And that's the facial expressions, be a character, just over-the-top mannerisms, because that's the stuff that people are going to grasp onto. It's all the visuals and I, all the uh, psychological stuff. You, it, It's a lot deeper than people think.
0: I've seen a couple of documentaries where they they have the manager of the promotion and they have this guy that's you know rookie talent and they're like, you know, just looking at how you do things. I think we 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 need like, mm. and I remember one. His name was Rory. I'm not going to give any last names, but you might have heard of the guy. Uh, we're going to make you a wrestling paper boy, and now we got to come up with some kind of. Some kind of name, rapid, rapid delivery, rapid fire, something like that. And so they basically just created a character for him, and and he was that character for a while. I assume he evolved out of it or something like that. But you know that just 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 sounds kind of cheap. You know, you you go to the job and the guy's like, "Well, you're going to be this," as opposed to you know your own person. But I mean, you know, say a job's a job. Sometimes that's how you have to do it. But in in other but in other jobs, maybe you're able to. Incorporate that your own character as part of that too. It's it's interesting, and I guess that's where you know theatrics and
4: improvisation comes in. Well, here's the other thing too that I find really intriguing just about that concept in general. Is like if you've got somebody that has an interest in wanting to act and just be other things, then I think you can have somebody walk into a room, hand you a role, and then you could just like embrace it and knock it out of the park because you can sink your teeth into it's just like hey i get to be a cowboy today i'm gonna be the best damn cowboy i can be or hey i get to be a ringleader for a circus and i'm gonna be the best damn one there is and these people will embrace that and take it but that's where i think it really falls on the performer too it's like if that's what's in their spirit and in their soul and what they really want to do you know otherwise it's just gonna flop if they don't care because then nobody else is gonna care
0: It's interesting because I know Jim and I have taught classes together and a lot of the exercises that I use and no doubt the the ones that he does and probably Storm too, is meant to kind of weed out and kind of define the character that you might work in that haunted house. And, you know, I always try to have at least the owner or the manager with me because a couple of times they'll say like, you know, this this big old 280 pound corn fed beefy guy right here, he's going to be my chainsaw guy. But you put him in an improvisational skit and he is like right spot on with mannerisms and words and stuff. And he's like, well, I ain't going to give him a chainsaw. he's got character. And he puts him in a different place in the haunted house and, and, you know, other people where you thought it would be good. You know, it's amazing what people will do when you know and I, and I assume it works for wrestling whether it's face paint or mask or otherwise but you put makeup on you put a hot mask on and you suddenly transform into that character that you want for the night and I, I'm glad to see that you know at, at, at least in some organizations they are helping you develop that character but a lot of it I guess also has to come from your your skill as an improv artist or your skill as a character development type person can you be that same person night after night or maybe you have to be a different person. Maybe in some cities you're a heel and some cities you're a, you're a face and, you know, back before the internet, you could probably get away with it a lot more than you can now, but very curious how that ties together. How about you, Steve? Um, what about, uh, what about
3: you? Um, when I started, there wasn't a whole emphasis on character. Um, they just kind of asked you, you know, who you wanted to be or what what, what did you want to be called? And uh, so for that first 10 years, I went by Osiris and Osiris was sort of an extension of Steve Wilson. He was uh, uh, sort of not really an alter ego, but I'd say more of a, a, an id, you know, the, the character that still is a part of the original, but uh, grown exponentially, I guess. Um, so it was, it was Steve turned up, you know, 10,000 times or whatever it was. Uh, then eventually going into Kong, Kong was the alter ego, um, where I, I would go out and I'd be somebody that I'd always kind of wanted to be, but, um, I had, uh, uh, I had the opportunity now because it was, it was under a different name than, under a different circumstance. Um and so now, you know, even even with my own students, I tell them, you know, you kind of want to grow into your character. You want to be uh either the guy that that you've always wanted to be but you couldn't be for whatever reason or you want you want to be like a turned up version of yourself. You know, but to just to go out there and be yourself and have a simple name like you know, John Smith or something like that is not going to work. It's not going to do very well. People want to be entertained. They don't want to come see their neighbor running around the ring and pretending to do moves. You know, people want uh, to spend their hard-earned money and and go to a wrestling show and they want to come out feeling like they are a part of something, you know, and they they uh, they they want to feel like, you know, in the end, the, uh, the bad guy is going to get beat up by the good guy.
0: it's funny there were no jobbers named john smith that i know of but or there are there does seem to be a lot of them with just you know bob jones and you know tom johnson or something you know back even back even before the monday night wars and everybody was like superstar a versus superstar b it was like you know superstar versus jobber and it was like you know the great muda versus bob and, well, you know that 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 shows our. we already know who's going to win that
2: match. I love so, those kind of matches. I think we need to bring those back. Actually,
0: you can see a lot of those old, uh, like seventies and eighties, early eighties matches on YouTube, and you know they've got they've got entire Saturday Night Main Events and WTBS stuff out of Atlanta. Usually, be the
6: guy matches. receiving the Slam of the Week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty much, you know.
6: Billy Belt Oh, look, he's <laughs> twitching on the ground.
5: You know, I've got to say, uh, when I when I watched Kong on Impact, uh, and he ha- he had that whole program with Abyss. Abyss has been one of my favorite wrestlers, and I watched Kong completely take him apart. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Who is this guy? What is he doing to Abyss? Because he's every bit as big as Abyss is, or pretty damn close. And um, from watching him with that program, with Abyss, to watching him here in Future Grade, he's very uh, – Kong is very intimidating. Um, and you guys can see by the picture I sent you through Facebook, uh, he doesn't mess around when he takes pictures either. He's, he, he's uh, kind of like Kane. He'll choke you out. You look uh, terrified
0: <laughs> when he, he has his hands around your neck. So you look positively yeah. terrified. You should post that on our Facebook page.
5: <laughs> I will.
0: Now you and Donnie taught a class at HauntCon that was wrestling related, which is probably was the first time I've ever heard of a wrestling related class being taught at a haunters convention. Can you guys kind of go into a little bit
5: about what that was all about? Um, Donnie, why don't you go ahead and take this?
2: Yeah, I can. Yeah, it was a it was a con- the wrestle horror concept is something I came up with back when I started uh, the trail of tormented terror. And I'd be out in the woods, and we'd be building the trail. And of course, with my wrestling background, you know, I'd think about, you know, what kind of, you know, haunt characteristics or uh, wrestling characteristics could I give this haunt haunt actor, or a wrestling move I could get them to make their their haunt character seem more violent. And then, you know, on the other thing, you know, what two haunt characters could I put in a storyline type of setting to where their haunt characters actually have a storyline going on inside their haunted house. And I would just think of ideas like this. And then it, it dawned on me, you know, actually how much wrestling and haunted attractions and horror was similar. You know, a lot of things were similar. And then, you know, I brought it up to Jim and, you know, Jim agreed, and we've been going back and forth and, you know, we created this presentation for a haunt con and, uh, you know, we came up with just a, a simple five, you know, five, li- you know, list of five things that were, there similar. You know, like the first thing uh, Steve touched on was the larger-in-life characters. You know, in wrestling, characters are larger-in-life. Your Hogan's, your Flair's, your Ultimate Warriors, you know, Rick Flair's, all those guys, larger-than-life characters. You know, and in haunted haunted attraction industry, it's the same way. You have your staple character, you know, in your haunt, and that's, you know, he's larger-than-life. You know, everybody knows who he is. Everybody wants to see him, you know, so there's very similar areas there. You know, a second one is uh, live action improv. You know, a lot of people don't really think about that. You know, a haunt actor is live action. They're in your face. You know, if they make a mistake, they just got to go with the flow. You know, if they got a prop,er they come out of their, their spot and they slip and fall or they knock a table full of body parts over or whatever, you know, they got to keep going with it. And uh, same thing with, you know, wrestling, you know, the cameras are on, you're live, you're in action. And you know, just like Jim brought it up a little bit ago, uh, just take Congo Kong and you know Abyss for example. You know, Congo slams Abyss on a you know, board with a barbed wire. You know, he climbs to the top rope, hits him with the splash. Congo Kong becomes the next monster of Impact Wrestling. You know what happened? You know, sometimes the rings break. You know, sometimes things happen. What if Congo was to go up top, and on the top rope the rope breaks, or he slips off the rope and doesn't land on Abyss? you know, what's Congo got to do? Cause no matter what happens, Congo has to finish that match and get that pin to get the story over. So, you know, he's got to improvise live action improv, you know, holy shit, this rope just broke. I'm laying on the freaking concrete. You know, I got to get my ass up and pin a bitch. You know what I mean? They just got to figure something out. And uh, so, you know, those are a couple of similar ways that they're they're the same. And uh, you know, just like, you know, a lot of things like promo skills, you know, you know, cause like haunt or wrestlers get their storylines over through promo skills. And same thing with the haunt character. You know, if you're a Q, if you're a Q line actor, you know, you're in the Q line, you're talking to the crowd for six, seven, eight hours a night. You know, if you're in your scene, you're only in, you only got them for five to 10 seconds, but still you got to, you know, be able to cut promos. You got to be able to relate, you know, talk to the customers, keep them entertained, scare them, make them laugh, whatever your character does and uh, you know, stuff like that. And yeah, you know, like I said, I can keep going. Or if Jim wants to step in, I can. Uh, you know, another one is ability to read the crowd. You know, wrestlers are great at reading crowds, or they should be anyway. <laughs> and uh, you know, like if you're in the ring, you know, if the crowd's quiet, sitting on their hands, you got to get something. You got to get them up. You know, if a crowd's chanting, boring, you know, you got to switch up what you're doing. Read the crowd, gauge your reaction, and adapt your match and your story if you can to what they're what's you know keeping them in the in the game. And uh, same with the haunt, you know, if you're in your scene and you got this line that you think is the greatest line you ever created, but it's not working, you know, nobody's laughing, nobody's jumping or nobody's scared, you know, you got to switch it up and uh, you got to read that all you read your customers and say, okay, this ain't working or if I'm coming out of this corner, and nobody's, you know, jumping, I'm not scaring anybody, I got to switch it up and come from other somewhere else, you know, so just the ability to read the crowd, you know, is, is another similarity. And, uh, you know, like so well, you know, promo skills we mentioned before. Right. Uh, and then a big important one is, uh, you know, stamina and physical abuse, you know, and pro wrestling, you know, the reason I only lasted six years is because I adapted the hardcore style. You know, I, I trained, I, you know, I trained normal wrestling, but then I started getting into the hardcore cause I was back in the ECW days and I went to IWA mid South with the rottens and, you know, that was a brutal place to work. So it took a toll on me and, uh. You know, so stamina, beauty, and even if you don't do that kind of stuff, you know, I always say there's cardio and then there's wrestling cardio. People think it's the same, they're 100% wrong, completely different. And I've I've seen marathon runners blow up in a ring in five minutes. I've seen bodybuilders that could lift a car, you know, blow up in five minutes inside of a ring. It's completely different type of cardio. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of stamina and everybody knows how, you know, the injuries and all that affects wrestling. And what people don't really understand is the same thing goes for haunters. You know, haunters get hurt all the time. If you're if you're a haunter that you've put in your time, you've been punched in the chest, you've been punched in the face, you've cut, you know, you've scratched yourself, you've got cut. And just like my first day when they asked me to be that butcher, I was like, you know, yeah, I'll be there. I was like, it's going to be a piece of cake, you know, because it was it was a trick or treat. It was a home haunt. So we were only on for two hours. After that first hour, I was like drenched in sweat. I was breathing heavy, and I was like, "This is freaking ridiculous." <laughs> I, was
1: like, I need
0: that I was beer like, now.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like, "This is hard work." So, I mean, yeah, people don't understand that. You know how much stamina and physical abuse goes into both wrestling and haunts. And like I said, there's many more ways. You know, we just came up with those five for the presentation, but I mean, yeah, like the similarities between haunt acting and pro wrestling is is very similar, and that's something that me and Jim want to start bringing you know, to the light and, and uh, come up with ideas for haunt characters to incorporate pro wrestling moves right into, into their characters safely. You know, if you want to talk about that a little bit, Jim.
5: Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll just uh, gloss over it real quick. But mm-hmm. uh, basically what, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're working up a way to teach people how to incorporate simple wrestling moves uh, into their characters to make the their performance, their scene, whatever they're doing, look more violent than it actually is um, you know we touched on things like uh, uh, what is it how to uh, how to throw a punch um, how to how to throw somebody how to throw somebody by their hair uh, biting was a big thing that people were asking us about after the class we got a couple of emails asking us well how do you what kind of blood do you use how do you do this how do you do that um, so it's not you know we're not talking about hurricanranas and flying head scissors and things like that. We're talking about basic, brutal moves, basic moves that look more brutal than they actually are to bring out that, that um, it factor in in the scare to make people go, was that actually real?
2: Yeah. Just kind of bring up the shock value. A lot of times you walk into scenes, you know, they're not going to touch you. You're just waiting for them to jump out and get you with the jump scare or say something creepy but you know if you walk into a room and a and a guy's got a like a little small girl or female or a, or a, even another guy and he picks him up and he throws him across the room or or he like choking him or he's doing something like that like something physically violent or punching him in the face you know beating on him you know you don't expect that when you walk into a scene you know or into a room so if you walk in a room and then this big monster hawkish guy that's covered in blood is just beating this other person to a bloody pulp, you know, that's going to bring up the shock value and that's probably going to freak a lot of people out. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's just simple stuff like that that we think could be added to make it more fun. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the concept.
0: Jim, I seem to remember, I believe a couple of years back when your last year's working at the, uh, dent, uh, the Dean would, didn't you have a female character you used to drag around by the hair?
5: Um, actually, it was after the dean. I was playing uh, a, a butcher called Clive Cleaver. Ah, uh, okay. And um, I had her in a room full of pig carcasses. And I, you know, every however many seconds that we did the routine, I would grab her by the hair. I would pull her around. Um, depending on who the girl was, I had one girl that weighed about 80 pounds soaking wet. And what I would do is I'd grab her by the throat and pin her up against the wall with her feet about two feet off the ground. And of course, what people didn't notice is she was hanging onto my wrist. All they focused on was the fact that I had my hand around her throat. Um, And it was things like that. And I would charge through another room that was attached to that one and threaten people again as they were looking at the girls. I kept in cages in that room as well. Very brutal. Um, I've got a picture of me and one of the girls uh, yeah, he
2: used to snap their necks too, which looked real, real.
5: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was, it looked like, I mean, you guys see it here? I just, I would kind of do that and it, and it looks real, but it absolutely does nothing but separate your arms, but she would sell it. And that's the other thing is mm-hmm. when you've got the victim, they've got to sell what you're doing, just like in, in wrestling, if they know, sell it, it, the, it, the, the effect is lost your move kind of looked
0: like in the movies where the good guy would come up to a guard or something and twist their neck and they'd go down with a broken neck. So that, that's kind of what it looked like there. That's so again, basically
5: and, where I got the idea but, from.
0: Like you said, it's, it's all about selling and, and that works in haunted houses and in wrestling rings. So, yes. you
5: know, yes, big like, time.
0: Any plans on teaching that
2: again?
5: Um, absolutely. We do have plans on teaching that again. Yes. Oh, that we're nice. developing more and more of the wrestle horror concept
2: yep we're going going to develop it and we're going to go to other conventions and other areas if they want us to come there and teach it and we're also going to start developing an online course like an a to z you know here's the stuff to do here's why here's how you can incorporate it you know just a full-blown training fun
5: and it can also help uh it can also help pro wrestlers that are looking to to develop their character character development uh, as you, and uh, Drew, as you and Storm both know, character development's a big thing. And we've discussed it earlier in the show. Um, You've got to have a solid character. You've got to have the backstory. Um, and it's got to be believable. That's the big thing. Believable and over the top. That's what's going to sell your character.
0: Absolutely. Uh, as, you know, we had Dick Terhune on the show a couple of weeks ago. And, and one of his famous lines is, every haunted house has to tell a story. And, you know, that's why you have storylines in wrestling these days. You know, back in the day, it was just person A versus person B. And, you know, they had their match and that was it. You go to the next show and it'd be person A versus person C and person B versus person D and no rhyme or reason. But now you drag these storylines out for months, if not a year at a time between pay-per-views sometimes and things. And, you know, to have that that theatric is just, you know. So important these days. But uh, a a question for our guests here. You know, as as I mentioned near the top of the show, you go to horror conventions and there's always a few pro wrestlers there. Why do you guys think that so many people, you know, and and it seems to be the big trifecta, haunted houses and horror, wrestling and rock music, preferably metal music. Why do you think that same three elements all seem to be incorporated in the same fans of all of them. You know, you you go to a days of the dead or you go to a mad monster party or horror hound weekend or something. And, and you might have Ric Flair sitting next to, you you know, Derek Mears, who's sitting next to, you know, somebody from a local metal band and, and the same people are just like, I love you. I love you. I love you guys. Oh, you're all amazing. Why are so many wrestling fans, horror fans and metal fans, you know, why are they all just so so
3: intrinsically linked? I think it's because of the character work, you know, it all comes back to the character work. Uh, People I tell I tell young guys, do you want to be the young guy or do you want to be the guy that the fans go home and they say, hey, there's that one guy that did that one cool thing. He did that flip really well. And they never even remember your name or do you want to be that guy that they go home and, and they, they tell their parents, hey, I want to go back and see Congo Kong, you know. Having a character, having something that they can grasp hold of is the difference between um, you, them coming back and not coming back, you know, or them being long term fans or just, you know, you being a flash in the pan for them, in my opinion. So, you know, um, watching horror movies like the Jason series, like even though Jason uh, didn't say much, he still had a character about him. You know, Freddie still had the character about him. Ric Flair was still a character. You know, Ric Flair versus Richard Fleer, two different people or were they? I mean, I think Ric Flair sometimes lives his character. However, he's still a character.
0: I've met him in the grocery store. He he can be a character when he wants to be. Otherwise, he's just some guy picking out produce. So Right. You know, he lives about forty-five minutes from me and I've only seen him one time in the store. But, you know, he was he was polite enough when I walked up and said, Thank you for all the memories, champ. And he just kinda of smiled and said, Hey, shook my hand and let me get a picture of him. So that was cool.
3: But that's awesome.
0: <laughs> How about you, Max? What about uh what about you? Why do you think you know, you've, you've got that rock and roll character and that badass character and that horror movie character all tied up with your wrestling persona.
4: I think to add on to what Kong was saying is that a lot of people grasp on the characters. That's at the end of the day, because a lot of horror fans now, it, I'm seeing it more now than I ever have. And everybody's got their favorite horror uh, killer as much as they've got their favorite pro wrestler. You know, so it's just like comic books. It's just like everything. It's these people have something to latch on to. So when you go to these wrestling shows per se, and like Kong was saying how you want to be remembered, it's almost like giving the fans this uh, a souvenir per se, like them remembering you as a souvenir in their minds, which will, you know, make them want to come back. I know... And a lot of the shows that I've been been going to for the last few years, it's been really neat too because uh, people have really been able to connect with Mad Max because they kind of see themselves in him. They see like qualities in that character that either they could grasp onto or they don't care for and they make sure to vocalize it. But either way, they still get a reaction. And usually after, at the end of the night, they're like, hey, I really dug that because you're an asshole or I really dug that because I really enjoyed what you were doing and I've been wanting to do that to people and people grasp onto that. It's, it's a, uh, it's very, it's very symbiotic in a way. Nice.
0: Uh, looking at the clock here, we probably should start winding this down or start to, uh, let's get some good stories. What's the best story you've had as a wrestler or as a haunter, and I, I assume the haunter aspect would be more on Donnie. But uh, what's your best wrestling story, Donnie?
2: Uh, best wrestling story.
0: Maybe an opponent, um, someone you met, show you went to, anything. Um, the one you'll tell Yeah, well, I mean, about.
2: like, yeah, like I said, I had uh, I had a few matches with the the Rottens back at IWA Mid South, uh, mainly Ian uh, Rotten. And we did a lot of hardcore matches. And those will, you know, uh be memorable and special to me because it basically proved to me that I could do it. Because back in those days, you know, IWA Mid South was a, you know, was a staple in hardcore wrestling. And and a lot of the names like the CM Punks, the Colt Cabanas, you know, the Jerry Lynns, like all those guys ran through Mid South at one point or another, you know, and many more. And so just for me to be there the short time I was and to be able to do those matches and survive and all that, (laughs) so to speak, come out with them in one piece, um, you know, was it it was special for me just to validate me and all the work I put in. And, uh, you know, some people like hardcore wrestling. Some people, you know, don't. Everybody has their different flavor. And I actually liked both. I like doing both versions, you know, wrestling regular matches and in hardcore matches as well but uh, it was just kind of like a validation type thing for me, you know, to be in there with that group of people and see where all those people went later on down the road in life and their careers to say, you know, Hey, I was, you know, I worked in the same company with those guys and I was able to hold my own, you know, while I was there that short time. So those are probably my most memorable. Nice.
0: Steve, what would you say is Congo Kong's most memorable moment?
3: Um, I have a ton of them. I've been all over the world. You know, I've wrestled some of everywhere, but honestly, one of the funniest would be uh, a couple years ago. We did a show called Heroes and Legends, and uh, uh, one of my brand new trainees at the time um, was with me and he grew up and he was a huge fan of the boogeyman. And so. uh, First off, he goes into my merch money. (coughs) Excuse me. Takes thirty dollars to go and get a signed picture or no, get his picture taken with the boogeyman, (coughs) which I could have gotten him for free. And I tried to explain that to him, you know, (laughs) but whatever. Um, So then uh, he goes and he takes the picture and then he comes to me and he has this crazy look on his face (coughs) and he's like, I'm in trouble. I go, what? What did you do? He's like, I, I Steve, I'm in trouble. I, I have to go hide. What did you do? He said, Well, I was taking my picture with the boogie man. Like, by the way, I brought money from you. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. And he said, uh, he said, Yeah, sure, you can take the picture with me, no problem. And uh, so he grabs me around the shoulders, and I reach to go grab him, and He's like, "I meant to grab his waist. It didn't happen. I grabbed his ass." <laughs> and so he's like he's like, I'm fumbling around and I'm trying to, to, to be inconspicuous about it and uh, it's just not working. So he he says the boogeyman takes his hand and pulls it up on his shoulders and he goes, "There you go. I don't play that shit." <laughs> and so like that's been the running joke like he's such a huge fan of the boogeyman and so like every time we talk about it like he just turns bright red because you know it's his most embarrassing moment first time ever meeting somebody you know that famous or whatever and uh he blows the spot but uh uh, it was awesome it was fun you only had one job kid (laughs) right 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 the boogeyman's butt (laughs) <laughs> and I, I let joked go for Boogie. I'm like, no, Boogie, he's a good kid. He didn't mean to do it. It just, you know, he, he does stuff. And, yeah, <laughs> he's just one of those characters, you know. Watch out for him. We call he's him Nerd 5, so.
0: <laughs> I had the pleasure of meeting the Boogeyman at a convention in Virginia several years ago, and, and he took a liking to my son. My son was a big fan of wrestling at the time and saw him. I think this was the first time he'd actually seen a – Quote unquote full character makeup in character person. And, and he would not drop character. Well, you know, he, he would like whisper some stuff to my son, you know, about, you know, stay in school, be a good kid and all that kind of stuff. My son's like 12 at the time, you know, and, and he was like, Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Mr. Boogie Man. Absolutely. So, you know, but he, he he's a, a really cool guy. I like that. <laughs> hey, hey, Drew, was that the Tidewater Comic Con? No, it was uh, scares at cares uh, okay. in Williamsburg. Gotcha. But you know, he was he was there, and and he wouldn't sit behind a table either. He would stand in front of his booth, and you know, just just the nicest fella as as you know most of them are. And you know what can you say? As uh, Bud, but hey Max, what about you? Your uh, your best memories and all.
4: I, I, too, had a boogie story where uh, a few years ago, I was hanging out at the Tidewater Comic-Con. I was, working a, uh, I was working a vendor booth, and one of my pals was his uh, liaison. So, of course, he introduced me to boogie. We hit it off, and then at the end, uh, they both were like, hey, we're going to the Double Tree next door to go uh, have, knock a couple back. He down. So, I joined him over there. And it was cool because I got to sit there for like four hours. Boogie paid most of my tab and we were talking character stuff like the whole time. And I got to spit my ideas to him as a young cat. And he's like, I really like that. We should roll with it. So that's my Boogie story. But the, as far as like one of the most memorable things to me, and it does fall in the realm of horror and characters. Cause some of my favorite guys, of course, were just all the super character wrestlers. I got, I think it was like 2017. At Vanguard Championship Wrestling in Norfolk, uh, me and my partner at the time, we were a tag team called Noise Pollution. They had us uh, face off against Gangrel and Kevin Thorne. And oh, nice. I was a I was a big I was a big Gangrel fan. I've watched Thorne for years, so of course I was having my moment in the sun and then I got to know him better and I relaxed because they were super cool. And we got a really good report. Me and me and Kev actually became friends out of that because I drove around town and we spent the day together and uh, we'd go to have the match. And of course me and my partner are nervous because we haven't worked with any high profile people before at that point. And we're chaining and he's got me in the headlock. So I go for the rear waist lock. I've got him. I'm working him, and he's a big guy. He's solid. And he whispers behind me as he's trying to reach around to, you know, spin around. He goes, Hey, jam a thumb in my ass. And I'm sitting there in the headlock. I'm like, What? And he goes, Jam a thumb in my ass. I love it. So I'm not one to shy away from a good time. So I just made a look to the crowd, popped my thumb in my mouth, went reared back right up the old backside. He just, Oh, the look on his face was priceless. The whole temple was dying. My parents were in the crowd that night, and my mom was in tears, doubling over. <laughs> and here I am, just yeah, it's up the vampire's ass, yeah. So he's selling it for like a couple of minutes. I'm selling my thumb to everybody. I even went to get girls like, "You want some of that?" So the fact that he felt comfortable enough that play a good rib on me It made for a good spot was uh, probably one of the most memorable things I've done <laughs> in my career there. It was funny. It's something I'm definitely going to tell my kids about later down the road.
0: Hey kids, you're pegging.
4: It's like, uh, I got bit by a vampire and I didn't turn. So be impressed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions? I got a cool, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry.
3: I got a funny Kevin Thorne story. Well, it involves Kevin Thorne. So uh, <laughs> there's a six-man tag, and he's on the other side with his team that that kind of mimicked uh, Legion of Doom at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, he uh, – first time meeting him, I asked him, I said, okay, so what do you like to do? And he looks at me, and he has a serious look on his face. he goes, i got this cool jacket. And <laughs> – we both just die laughing. I'm like, yep, that's that's my guy right there. I, I, I like this guy from now on. So anyway, <laughs> we get to the match, and uh, <clears throat> uh, Paul Bearer is a manager for the other team. And so I'm thinking in my mind, what can I do to, to impress Paul Bearer? So I was like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll miss some moonsault. Let's see what happens, because I'm, I'm a big guy, and I was probably closer to 400 pounds at the time, um, maybe even over. And so I go up and I hit the moonsaw and I hear, "Oh shit!" (laughs) 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 So yeah, that was like like one of the best moments of my career. You know, pop the guy that 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 you know has has shared the road with the Undertaker, who's you know one of my favorite wrestlers, obviously.
4: That's awesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Any uh, other questions from the hosts?
5: Uh, you know what? We could go on and on <laughs> a lot longer than we've got time for. This just has been amazing. And, and listening to some of these stories is uh, I'm still tickled about that pop you got from Paul Bearer, Steve. That was, <laughs> And I know you're a big man and, and even at the size I've seen you at to do a moon salt is, is impressive. Yeah, I would say so.
3: I wouldn't lay there for me. <laughs> no
5: <laughs> I, I, I'm six foot four about 300 pounds I'm not going to get down there and wait for you to hit me with a moonsault
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah one of my one of my dad's favorite things to say to to whoever I wrestled, so you're the dummy that laid there and let him jump on you. <laughs> I'm like dad
0: stop
1: mm-hmm.
0: nice Storm anything before we start winding us down?
6: No, I, I think it's a good point to wind it down. I think we've covered a lot of the neat stuff, and you know, even more than I think anybody expected, how much that um, the wrestling and uh, haunting parallels itself, and you mix the horror in between. Uh, you know, like you can touch on a whole bunch of elements and stuff too, especially with the horror. So it's its always a viable subject, but absolutely fantastic
0: tonight. Absolutely, I did. You, you did mention horror and that that is one last thing i wanted to touch on uh, max you've got a little bit of a horror film career going on too how did how did you get started into uh doing horror films
4: it was i don't know man it was it was kind of cool because it started off where i bought a movie from an indie director and then expressed my uh pleasure with it i was like dude i loved what i love this thing it was pretty rad and his uh his name, his name is Brad Twig. He's from Fuzzy Monkey Productions. I've been working really closely with him for like the last couple of years. Uh, I sent him a message. I was like, because he had a bunch of friends in this movie called Wrestle Massacre. And I said, you need another wrestler to die on screen. You give me a holler. I'll be your Huckleberry, man. <laughs> <laughs> so like three months later, I got a message. And then like two months or what was it? Three months later, I got a script in my inbox. And two months later, I was on set. So and then I went and shot my first movie, Deathboard. And it was rad. And it was everything I'd hoped it'd be because I was covered in blood. Like by the time I left every day, I, you know, had things impaled in me. It was pretty rad. And I was around cool people. And then uh, he invited me to come on and do another couple projects. I was shooting Shriek Show, which we had the delay because of COVID. But we've been trying to put it back together. And we've got like Tuesday night, Felissa Rose is on it. Uh, Julie Prescott, Rebecca Reinhart, a bunch of names in there. And then I did a couple shorts and then um, I was supposed to do the House of East Flesh with Josh Graves, but scheduling didn't work out. So I had to leave that project, but I've got Wrestle Massacre 2 with Brad Twig. We're supposed to be shooting that this year. And that one's supposed to continue off the first one of this wrestler that just straight had enough with life and just starts dismembering everybody in his war path, which is pretty rad nice and then um trying to think i know i've got another one coming down the pipe too there's yeah i think that's it as far as horror. because i have a cup i have a crime film i'm doing called brazen impact in may oh fun oh yeah
0: i can totally identify leaving work covered in blood especially at the end of the night at the haunt i just love the titles Oh yeah. <laughs> Going to Waffle House at one o'clock in the morning and you're just dripping with, you know, blood and gore and whatever's on you. Yeah. They, they didn't like us at the Waffle House near the haunt I worked at for many, many years.
4: Oh, and but- the sheet, the sheets in Martinsburg, West Virginia was getting used to my ass coming through town. because they would be like doing another one. I'd be like either in corpse paint or I'd have like blood on me. He'd be like doing another one. Yeah, here. Let me get my sandwich. <laughs> uh, they,
6: they they see the tab at the end of the night they're, they're more open to it. You know, we, we found that out with Midwest Haunters the first year. Um, uh, you know, in uh, Columbus and the uh, big bar on two, they, uh, oh, yeah. you know, they they were a little weary of us at first. But I remember that second year that we had really had an impact on there, and they saw the Haunters bar tab compared to the other conventions in the. Uh, show at the time and our food tab too. Uh, they decorated for us every year after
0: that. We'd oh, come yeah. in
6: and there'd be props and things hanging. Welcome honors! Come on!
0: We were the second most profitable convention of the year according to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: So, I can see awesome. it and, and wrestling <laughs> pulls that crowd too. The, all the mm. all-time all shows and stuff with that.
5: You know, I, I wanted to go back and say something about being covered in blood. Uh, back when I was working At Kings Island, back in the dark ages, um, I had left and was heading home and I'm still, I I hadn't, I changed into my street clothes, but I still had all the blood on me and everything. And I walked into the Walgreens, the local Walgreens by my house, which was 24 hours at the time. I walked in, the manager comes running up to me. Do I need to call you an ambulance? To know. My name
0: is Jim, but I don't know why you'd call me
5: ambulance, but I'm fine. It's stage blood, but him and the cashier boats freaked out when I walked in the door.
6: It's <laughs> all experience and timing. Worst timing I ever had was uh, one of the years I was promoting for our haunted uh, hayride and we're doing Pirates. And really hadn't done any scary pirate things. And I wanted to do, you know, scary pirates. And we're going to the Applebee's with the bar on Talk Like a Pirate Day. And my general manager says, all right, you can finally do something scary. So I had a latex skull glued to my face, drove all the way there with it. I have a sword full decked out. And I'm walking to the door. And it's Tuesday, tonight, kid's night. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) I stayed to a little corner of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Children screaming when I walk in.
1: <laughs>
0: I totally wish there was video for that. Any final questions before we start wrapping up? No. Well, guys, this has been a most enjoyable roundtable talking about the relationships between wrestling and haunted houses, You know, character development backstories, overindulgence and everything you know it's a, it's a great night to take a date to whether you want to go to the ring you want to go to the haunt it's a lot of fun to uh watch a good professional in action at both but this is the time of the show we like to call affectionately the plugs so this is where you can promote your website your social medias any projects or any appearances you may be having coming up in the next few months let's start with Max, do you have any shows you're going to be doing in the next few weeks or any appearances at any cons or like you were you saying you had some movies coming out where can people get more information about mad max morrison with websites
4: social medias etc definitely appreciate that drew yeah you can find me and everything about everything i'm doing at madmaxmorrison.com two d's two x's two R's. super important (laughs) Uh, I've got links to my IMDB profile. So anybody in the movie industry looking for somebody to fill a role that I could possibly do, um, shoot me a holler. My resume is available. I've got an online store. There's links to it there through big cartel, tons of merch, shirts, stickers, uh, socks, COVID masks, all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm all over social media. I've, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. You can find me on all of those, Mad Max Morrison. And I run a podcast uh, called Social Disturbancing. I uh, think we're, we? Ju- I just brought it back and I have two new hosts uh, Pinnacle, Dewan O'Neill and the psychopath Ryan Newsies, the three of us. We're talking real life. We're three wrestlers hitting things from all angles. We keep it raw, we keep it honest, and it's lots of fun. So, Catch us weekly on the podcast. And then we have a Twitch on Friday nights called the Friday Night Social. Do you get that podcast on all the streaming platforms or anywhere any place in particular? All the streaming platforms, particularly, you can find us on Anchor and you can find us on Spotify. We're on Apple, Google, iHeartRadio. We're on all of them. Nice. As are
0: we. Hmm. Uh, Steve, where can people find out more about Congo Kong? Whether it's websites, social medias, if you have appearances, matches, or con appearances, or anything like that coming up,
3: uh, you can hit me up at uh, at uh, on on Twitter at Real Kongo Kong. You can hit me up on Instagram at Kong Osiris seven eight seven eight. Excuse me, K O N G O S Y R I S. Or you can simply message me as at Steve Wilson, excuse me, on Facebook and uh, um, get a hold of me there. You know, just the only thing I asked is, is if you uh, are doing it, you know, be a fan and just be a fan. Don't be a weirdo, you know, and try to just you know take out my time or, you know, cause I've had that happen and it's, it's definitely not a fun situation. Um, but uh yeah you can reach me at any of those if you're a young wrestler or, or you have ambitions of becoming a pro wrestler uh you're in the midwest or not in the midwest and you want to relocate to the midwest um you can hit me up and because i i run professor, professor kong's wrestling academy uh also you can um hit me up if you need gear if you're looking for a uh, new gear maker or whatever and uh, i also dabble in that i uh, been doing that since 2007 more than willing to give examples and then also max if you need somebody to to, to drag along with you for some of those movies and you know figure uh uh monster whatever <laughs> let me know i'm
4: down absolutely man i'm always i'm always got my eyes up and trying to help these directors out awesome Wait. Donnie,
0: how about you, you know, plug the podcast, plug any appearances, websites, social medias that you think we need to know about.
2: Yeah, let's say we've got the new Ohio wrestling is our promotion or wrestling promotion in Columbus, Ohio, uh, new Ohio wrestling.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, all, all under new Ohio wrestling. And then, uh, Jim and I me, hook Jim and myself, uh, do the wrestle horror podcast. Where we talk about everything, you know, wrestling, haunted houses, horror, Halloween, and uh, everything is you know, wrestlehorror.com. And again, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, it's all at WrestleHorror. And uh, so that's about the two projects we got going right now.
0: Excellent. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you guys on here once again, folks. If you're a fan of haunted houses, chances are you might be a fan of wrestling. Go out there, support your local indies out there whenever the pandemic is over and they're happening with much more frequency than they are now. I'm sure your local National Guard armory will appreciate it, and so will your local haunted houses. But again, we couldn't do this without our guests, Donnie Hoover, Mad Max Morrison, and Steve Wilson, and also our go hosts, including Storm, it's amazing. We can't say it about every
6: round table, but all our chairs are still intact, and so is the round table.
0: <laughs> and we were going to wrap it in barbed wire and set it on fire, too. Dang it, I forgot the kerosene.
5: Meat hook, Jim. Well, I think, uh, I think Congo Kong should put somebody through the table.
2: Not it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> As well, again, Jerry,
2: just let me know.
0: <laughs> As again, Jerry Vane was off tonight, but once again, I think Jerry Vane's music should be every wrestler's intro music. That would certainly be a thing. My name is Drew Badger, and I pose the eternal question, Mad Max Morrison versus Congo Kong Steel Cage, one fall 10-minute time limit, who wins? Hmm. Once again, folks, this is the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. (laughs)
1: We <laughs> Morticians. Halloween sucks on the big scary show. We Oh, baby, now I my baby Baby my Baby, my baby. My baby. My baby. My baby.
5: Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings listeners, Meat Hook Jim here, and on this episode of Between the Corpses, we are traveling over to the northern African country of Morocco. With 99% of Moroccans identifying as Muslim, Islam is Morocco's most common religion. Muslims believe in burying the deceased within 24 hours of the death when possible. On Judgment Day, it's determined whether the deceased goes to heaven or hell. The deceased's family prepares the body either at home or at a mosque. They wash the deceased and wrap the body in white linen while performing ritual chants. For the burial, they bury the deceased facing Mecca. They place protective objects around the grave, such as myrtle twigs, because they believe angels like the smell. A few days after a Moroccan funeral, the deceased family gathers for a meal to honor their loved one's memory. They make food to send good vibes to the spirits and they also read sections of the Quran out loud, which is Islam's central religious text. The Moroccan mourning period involves several elaborate rituals that typically last 40 days. Unlike in many cultures, Moroccan people wear white while gathering rather than black. They associate the color white with calmness and tranquility for widows they host a feast to honor their late husband on the 40th day after his death. This marks the end of the formal mourning period. When Widows also have an ita period of three months where they can't remarry or interact with men who aren't family. Well, there you go. Here's a little bit about Morocco. We'll catch you on the next episode.
4: Passion is what drives
0: passion to be the best. For over 10
6: years, that passion has taken us from eBay to becoming the driving force in the haunted house industry. And we are just getting started. From flex props to nine-foot giants. Great details, great looks, and great pricing is the foundation we are built on. Our heart beats hollow. Our passion to your haunted attraction this season, creepycollection.com.
5: Now that's creepy.
7: Screaming tires or squealing women, they're all the same to the speed merchants of the Fireball 500. <laughs> By day the dirt track is a jungle as the kings of the speedway fight for survival. By night it's the same when they meet their women.
1: That's playing rough, Dave. Someone could get hurt.
7: Only chickens get hurt.
1: Stop crowing,
7: baby. You're a man. American International presents Fireball 500, the story of the men who love their track fast and their women the same. Starring Frankie Avalon, wild on wheels, Annette Funicello, rough on outclass competition, and Fabian the Tiger with built-in performance, with Chill Wills, Harvey Lembeck, and Julie Parrish. Filmed in Panavision in color with racing motors, screaming tires, flaming passions and thrills and spills, Fireball 500 is one dare beyond imagination.
1: Michael Headstrom, The House on the Hill, on the Big Scary Show. Up your show? Need to pump
5: new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-List haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Keron. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Keron. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Caron.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screenline Studios,
1: Dark Imaginings, Fright Finder, Haunt Peg, Creepy Collection, and Von Charon
5: Productions. We would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Etherium. As well as the Forga hosts, including Storm, Rance and more, HauntMinute.com, Badger, actor, trainer, and consultant, rabbitbadger.org Meet Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at com, and Jerry Vane, the Hauntstrumentalist, JerryVane.com. And finally, you. Without you, the listener, we are nothing.
0: The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.